we're going to look at Manasseh, King Manasseh. Now, King Manasseh is a different kind of a king. We have looked at kings that started well and finished well. We have looked at kings that started bad and finished bad. We have looked at kings that started good and finished bad. But now we have a king that starts bad and finishes good. And you know what? We can't pass him by because there's a lot for us to learn about God in this story. You'll remember his dad. We've been looking at Hezekiah for the last three weeks. And you can remember that Hezekiah um, had turned everything around. He was a revival king. He was a good king. Yeah, he wasn't perfect. And yes, he did show off a bit and get proud. And and it it was going to cost him and cost his family. But, you know... Hezekiah is, is known as a good king, one that loved God and followed God. Now, Manasseh is 12 years old when he takes over. So the work of training and raising Manasseh is hardly finished. Um, but we can imagine that good king Hezekiah had put a lot of good into this little snapper uh, called Manasseh. And he had trained him and taught him. And the Bible gives a promise uh, in Proverbs 22, verse 6. It says, um, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. And you know what we're going to find? Now, he's old when we see this come true. But this boy that's been trained up in the way he should go finally gets it and turns it all around and goes in a new direction. But before he does, he's as wicked as all get up. In fact, reading through it, just just, just reading through it, you you, you wonder, why doesn't God take this guy out? Why doesn't he just remove him? But you know, God loves men, and God loves us, and God wants what's good for us, and God wants us to do good, and God wants to bring blessing in our lives. And we may get fed up, distraught, and finished with things, but God doesn't. And he takes this boy, now become a man, and he turns him around completely. You know, it's never over till it's over. There may be situations in your life when you think, oh, there's no hope. And it's never over till it's over. Let's look at Manasseh. Let's pray first. Father, would you bless us, Lord? Uh, Lord, help us as we look at this uh, boy become a man who was such an affront to you. And yet your love and your care for him is evident. Oh, would you bless? Help us to see. Help us to take on board truth, Lord, that will help us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 33. Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 50 and 5 years in Jerusalem. Now, that's a long reign amongst the kings. Um, he, He reigned 50 and 5 years in Jerusalem. But he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, like unto the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. So he was wicked. He he, he did that which was wicked. For he built again the high places which Hezekiah his father had broken down. And he reared up altars for Balaam, and he made groves and worshipped all the hosts of heaven, and he served them. Now, let's just kind of put the picture here. He's 12 years old when he starts off. So, you know, he's not a great king. He's not, a great, he's not ready to be a king. So he had to have a lot of advisors around him as a 12-year-old sitting on the throne, throne and ru- ruling over uh, <clears throat> Judah. And um, so he's obviously got the wrong counselors around him. He's obviously got people around him that were uh, annoyed about the changes his dad has made, uh, that were annoyed about turning back to God. And somehow they got in and these people are, are, are in his ear and they are telling him what to do and telling him how to do it. And so he reverses all the good his father had done. 
Now, you know what? <clears throat> if I was God and I saw that, I'd step in and deal with it right quick, wouldn't you? I, listen, I, I would step in and I would sort that out right quick. <clears throat> what an affront, what an offense, but it gets worse. And God lets it. Um, <clears throat> verse 4, also he built altars in the house of the Lord, whereof the Lord had said, in Jerusalem shall my name be forever. So he built altars, but they weren't for uh, the Lord. And he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. Now, this is a new level of wickedness that he's getting into now. He built altars for all the gods of the Syrians, the Assyrians. He, built, he, 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 he said about building all kinds of altars for all, in, in the house of the Lord. And definitely, you're dead if you do that in my book. And definitely, it's over if you do that. But it's not over. And he caused the ch- his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. Now, you know what he did there? He sacrificed his children to false gods, to gods that were no gods. What an offense. What an offense to take the child that God has given you. And remember, every child uh, that comes into this world is actually God's child. <clears throat> and God has a plan and a purpose for, for those children. Uh, Malachi chapter 2 tells us that he might have a godly seed. That's the purpose of marriage in God's eyes. We have a different purpose for it in our eyes, but the purpose of it is that, we, that God might have a godly seed. And so <clears throat> what Matt Manasseh is doing here is he's taking that which God has given and he's sacrificing it to gods that are no gods. I mean, that's hard for God to take. He's a jealous God. You know that he's a jealous God and he will not suffer his glory to be given to another. And the wrong that's been done to the children and the fact that they're being offered to a false God <clears throat> um, must just have bothered God, to say the least, greatly. And also he observed times and he used enchantments and he used witchcraft and he dealt with a familiar spirit. Now, remember Saul? Remember Saul? God took Saul out. That was the end. Because he went to a familiar spirit. He, he went to a witch, the witch at Endor. And God said, okay, that's it, that's it. All right, I'm done. You're done. And God, God took him out. God removed him based on that. You know what? Manasseh's doing the same thing here. Knowing the history. Knowing what had happened before, <clears throat> he's doing that. And he used witchcraft, and he dealt with a familiar spirit, and with wizards. He wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. And he set a carved image, uh, the idol which he had made, in the house of God. He put a, an idol in the house of God? I mean, what kind of thinking was he having? And, and why was God allowing it? Uh, of which God had said to David and to Solomon, his son, in this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen before all the tribes of Israel, will I put my name forever. Neither will I any more remove the foot of Israel from out of the land which I have appointed her for your fathers, so that they will take heed to all that I have commanded them according to the whole law and the statutes and the ordinances by the hand uh, of Moses. So Manasseh made Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem to err and to do worse than the heathen whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. So <clears throat> what he did was he, he, he got down and he got as wicked as he possibly go- could. A couple of thoughts for you to think, uh, to keep in mind there, right? Obviously, he had counselors that were pointing him in the wrong direction. That doesn't explain it all, though. He got it going. 
He gave himself to it. He gave himself wholeheartedly to it. He went after wickedness uh, <clears throat> with all his heart. He, he, he tried to do everything wicked that was possible to do. And I suppose he thought he was getting away with it. I suppose he thought, you know, hey, I, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm getting away with it. He wasn't depending upon God. He didn't need God for anything. Uh, he was the man. He was able to do it. And he thought that he was getting a, away with it. And I think he got addicted to sin, don't you? I think he got addicted to doing stuff that just flew in the face of God. I think it became a game, became a sport to him. Do you know that sin is addictive? All sin is addictive. It's addictive to our natures. It doesn't matter what kind of sin it is. It doesn't matter whether it's drugs or pornography or lying. Sin, sin is never something you do over here in this corner and walk away from it. Uh, it gets a grip of you. It always gets a grip of you. When, you. when you don't repent of it and deal with it, it always gets a grip of you. And it always draws you deeper in. You mean you've heard it said, sin will take you further than you want to go, it will keep you longer than you want to stay, and it will cost you more than you want to pay. That's the way sin is. Un understand it. You know, it's not just drugs that do it. That's not really the problem for us. It's not just these things that we think are highly addictive. It's sin. Because ultimately we're addicted to self. We're addicted to what we want. And once we let it go, once we give sin its way, uh, the Bible says, to whom ye yield yourself servant, his servants you are to obey. You give in to sin and sin becomes your master. And a horrible master sin is. Remember too though that behind all this, <clears throat> you have the enemy of God. Satan himself. This is Judah. This is Jerusalem. This is the king from whose line Jesus is going to come. And we've got Satan making hay while the sun shines. Oh, if you'll do wrong, I'll help you do wrong. I'll give you all the wrong you can do. I'll encourage you in everything you can do. And it just gets worse and worse and worse. I'm sure some of the people looking at Manasseh were saying, what is, what is he on about? What is he doing? Why is he living like this? Uh, that this tradition that says that he actually had Isaiah sawn asunder. Uh, not in the Bible. Uh, it's just tradition. Listen, Manasseh was, was as wicked as wicked could be. If you and I were living in those days and we were godly, we'd have been saying, God, why aren't you doing something? Why don't you fix this? Why, why don't you sort this guy out? Or you, you can't allow this to continue on. But you know, God sees farther than we see. And God knows better than we know. And God knows what's going to happen in his world and with his people. And somehow, God saw something different in Manasseh. And God didn't destroy him. But he didn't sit in the sidelines and just say, oh, well, what can you do? God never does that. God steps into the situation and God creates a situation in <clears throat> Manasseh's life and that's going to upend his happy little world where he's the king and he's God himself and he can do whatever he likes. God's going to step in and turn his world upside down for him. God can do that too. You know, sometimes <clears throat> when we look at the world around us and we look at the sin in the world around us and we look at the wickedness that people are doing and, <clears throat> and we think God is doing nothing, we're forgetting. God's omnipotent. He can do whatever 
he wants. There's nobody that can stand against him. And if he's not doing something, it's not because he can't. It's because for some reason he's decided not to. At least, not yet. But God comes into Manasseh's life in a whirlwind. Look at verse 10. And the Lord spake to Manasseh and to his people, but they would not hearken. No, so God spoke to him, and he, and he wouldn't hearken. He, he, he wouldn't listen. Oh, wherefore, the Lord brought upon them the captains of the host of the king of Assyria, which took Manasseh among the thorns and bound him with fetters and carried him to Babylon. Now, all kinds of interesting things about this verse here. Um, <clears throat> uh, perhaps what happened for Manasseh was when, when, when the king of Assyria came in uh, to deal with them and to do business with them, let, let's back it up. I mean, <clears throat> Judah ha- had been paying tribute uh, to Syria, and um, <clears throat> so was everybody else around at the time. Syria was the nation to deal with at the time, and they could, they could demand what they wanted. And for some reason, or they're not, or whatever, but for some reason, the king of Syria comes down, and he decides that he is going to take, uh, and he is going to deal with this guy. And <clears throat> Manasseh, caught unawares, is hiding uh, in some thorn bushes. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how, how dreadful that would be? Uh, you, you remember when they found Gaddafi? And he was buried in a well somewhere. And he announced as they were hauling him out that he was the king and they didn't have any right to do this to him, that he was the, that he was the, uh, <clears throat> he was the authority of his day. That's what you've got here. You've got a man who is untouchable. He's the king. He's the power. He rules. He does what he likes. He puts statues in the house of the Lord. He, uh, <clears throat> he, he sacrifices his children to, uh, to Molech. Uh, <clears throat> you know, he, he raises up the groves. He, he kills. He, he has power. He is the power in his own mind. And all of a sudden, he's not so powerful anymore. He's, he's hiding. He's hiding from the king of Assyria. Why? Because God's decided to deal in his life. Now, I don't know exactly when it was that God decided to deal in his life, but God did decide this towards the end of his reign. Uh, <clears throat> but <clears throat> here's the thing sometimes we think, don't we? We think, well, you know what? Somebody's been getting away, f- away with it for so long, it's just going to go on the way it's been. And that's not true. That's not true. You know, <clears throat> God always deals with sin. Always. Sometimes he deals with it instantly. But more often than not, he lets it run. And he speaks to people. And he tries to turn them around. And he tries to turn them around. But eventually, he deals with sin. Eventually, everything gets dealt with. Somebody said that the wheels of God's justice grind slowly. But they grind mighty fine. They need miss nothing. God misses nothing. There's nothing happening in this world that God's not aware of and won't be dealt with. There's nothing you're doing in your life that God doesn't know about and isn't going to be dealt with. Nothing. It's just God. That's who God is. He knows it all. I mean, you're his child and the sin is under the blood and you're going to go to heaven. That's true. But you know, if you're walking your own way and doing your own thing, and God is very merciful and very patient and very long-suffering, sooner or later, he steps in. He takes action. He deals. And that's what he does here in Manasseh's life, right? <clears throat> um, <clears throat> and they bound him with fetters. 
Uh, one of the commentaries said it wasn't just one set of fetters they bound him with, they bound him with two sets of fetters. Now that, that would indicate that he was putting up a fight, putting up a struggle. And so the king was bound with two sets of fetters and they carried him to Babylon. So here he is, here he is, he's the king. And he gets dragged to Babylon. And he's withstood the king of Assyria and he's <clears throat> gone his own way and done his own thing. And now it's done. It's finished. Because it's a one-way road. You don't come back. Someone like Manasseh doesn't come back. They're too much trouble to let them go back again. Someone like Manasseh is going to go in a dungeon somewhere uh, <clears throat> if he ever gets to a dungeon and he's going to spend the rest of his life in that dungeon. And... <clears throat> That's the way it's going to be. Uh, <clears throat> now, let's think what went through his head in these moments. God's chastening him severely. I, I, I'm sure at first there was indignation. How dare they do this to me? Don't they know who I am? I am going to get out of this, and I am going to make everybody pay. I'm going to get out of this, and I'm going to sort it out. But you know what the rough soldiers around him would have done with his indignation? They would have laughed. And they would have poked fun. Because you might think you're a king, but you're just a prisoner to us. And we're taking you to the king of Babylon. And you know what? You have no say in it, whatever. And you cause us enough trouble, we'll put you in two sets of chains and make sure you can't go anywhere. And they drag him to Babylon. And I, I would think that after a while, the indignation would drain out of a man and he would come to the place of resignation. He would just kind of give in. Nothing I can do about this. I'm going to have to go with them and I'm going to have to do what I'm told because there's nothing I can do. Can you imagine how hard that is would be for a man like Manasseh? A man who ran his own life and ran his kingdom and did whatever he liked and he didn't listen to God nor man. He did whatever he wanted to do. Can you imagine how depressing it is when you come to the place where there's resignation? I can't do anything about this. I don't have control. I don't have power. I, I can't sort this out. And then fear would have come in for him. What are they going to do to me? Will they kill me? Will it be painful? The Assyrians were a brutal people. They were a, most empires were a brutal. You know, <clears throat> when they when they took a hand in a situation, uh, they, they 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 dealt very brutally as a as a warning to everybody around. They would skin people alive. They would do dreadful things. Is it going to be painful? How are they going to deal with me? I I think terror would have come in. And then I think he would have been hopeless. Absolutely hopeless. I'm not the man I thought I was. I don't have the power I thought I had and I can't run the situation and I can't run the world. And I was sitting nice and pretty in my little kingdom there doing my own thing. But that's all gone. Now for a lot of people it would stop there. For a lot of people it would end in hopelessness. But something else is in Manasseh. Cut through all the muck, all the dirt, all the filth, and crack the rock around his heart. 
And there's something else in there. Look at the next verse. Verse 12, And when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. And he prayed unto him. And look at the next part of the verse. And he was entreated of him. You know what happened? He went on his horrible trip going to going to Babylon and on this trip the bottom fell out of his life and somewhere along the line he realizes I'm not all I thought I was I have no help I have no control and my false gods can't do anything for me here and he starts crying out to God I'd love to hear his first prayer wouldn't you He probably hadn't prayed since before his daddy died. And now he's crying out to God. And now things are coming clear for him and things are beginning to come straight. He starts to cry out to God. He humbles himself. He says, God, I'm not in charge. You are. I'm not the king that can do what he likes. You're God. He, he has a Nebuchadnezzar moment where he comes to the place where he realizes, hang on, there is a God and it's not me. It's a great moment in your life, by the way, when you realize I, there is a God and he's not me. There is a God and he's in charge and I'm not. You know, listen, we serve God because he loves us and <clears throat> um, we serve God because he's so good to us. But do you know, you really don't have any option because he's God. He can do what he likes. And he can take and he's able to show you that all the power is in his hands. He's he's able to listen, and there's nobody out there that he can't bring to heal. Nobody out there. He can bring everybody to the place where they realize, no, there is a God, and it's not me. That's where Manasseh comes to, and Manasseh comes to the place where he begins to cry out to God, and God is entreated of him. Isn't that amazing? Doesn't God just do some things that just blow you away? This is one of them. You and I would have killed off Manasseh years beforehand. We'd have said, this guy isn't worth the air I'm letting him breathe. And we'd have killed him off and put somebody else on the throne. But God's waiting for this moment in Manasseh's life. He's waited long and he's acted like the master. He's brought the pressure into bear just in the place where it needs to be and he's brought enough pressure to bring this man to heal and he hears the sweet cry of Manasseh. Lord, would you help me? And you know what he says? He says, of course I will. I was just waiting for you to get around to the place where you realized you needed my help. I was just waiting for you to come to the place where you realize that you're not able. You know, God's always waiting for that moment in our lives. God's always waiting for us to come to the place where we realize we can't. Oh, he waits long and he waits hard. And <clears throat> sometimes we, we get it and then we don't get it anymore, don't we? Sometimes we understand and we, and we go with him and say, okay, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm you're God and I'm not and I can't do it Lord would you help me and then after a while we kind of we get inflated on, in our own pride and we think we can do it again and, and God has to tumble us a little bit again but he's always waiting for us to come to the moment where 
we recognize, I can't do it. It's you, Lord. And that's where Manasseh's come to. Manasseh's come to that place. And so he prayed unto him, <clears throat> verse 13, and he was entreated of him and heard his supplication and did the unthinkable, the impossible, the outrageous. And he brought him again to Jerusalem, into his kingdom. It's kind of like a bad dream. It's kind of like a terrible dream where he's lived this horrible, wicked life and he's come to the place where he's finally recognized, I can't do this anymore. I need God. And he cries out to God. And all of a sudden, he's back on his throne. Now, why? Well, the king of Babylon obviously sent him back. King of Babylon talked to him and, and sent him back. But you know, it wasn't Manasseh that convinced him. It was God. Because the king's heart's in the hands of the Lord, and as the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. And there's no king on the, on the earth, and there's no ruler on the earth that God doesn't have his heart in his hand, and he can't turn it wherever he wants. Can't make him do anything. He makes uh, this king <clears throat> do exactly what he wants, and uh, <clears throat> Manasseh ends up back in his kingdom, back on his throne. And look at the last part of that verse, verse 13. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God. When he arrived back on his throne, he knew that the Lord was God. And you have to appreciate about Manasseh what happens next. Because so many people get a reprieve and they say, oh, nice one. And they go back to their old ways again. So many people do that. We're, we're all inclined to do that, not Manasseh. No, Manasseh says, Okay, now I know he's God. Now, now, what do you think it means when Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God? Well, Molech, that he sacrificed his babies to, wasn't God. All the statues that he put in the temple, they weren't gods. All the high places, they weren't gods. All the hosts of heaven, they weren't gods. There was only one God. And the one God that was God was in control of everything. And he had Manasseh's life in his hand and he could do whatever he liked with Manasseh's life. So Manasseh kind of gets it. He has an awakening. He has a, comes to an understanding. He, he knows that the Lord is God. And so what does that do for him? He changes everything in his life. Let me ask you tonight. Have you seen that the Lord is God? Have you really seen he's in control of Absolutely everything. I don't control anything. He controls it all. <clears throat> have, you, have you really seen that the Lord, He is God, He is in control? You know, listen, your job, your money, all the things you have, they can't help you. Manasseh was a king, a rich king. But you know what? didn't help him when God decided to deal with him. Why? Because the Lord is God. And you know, all the stuff that you have, nothing wrong with stuff. But understand this. Stuff won't protect you from God. Stuff won't, <clears throat> won't, won't stop God from doing what he wants to do in your life. It didn't stop him here, and it won't stop him in your life. He is God. See, what the kings of the world have a hard time understanding is that God gives them their kingdoms, and God puts them in power. Not what Nebuchadnezzar had to learn. 
Okay, yeah, there is a God. He rules in the affairs of man, and I'm not the big shot I thought I was. And he's able to show me that. Isn't that what Manasseh had to learn? Isn't that what you and I have to learn? Oh yeah, we're saved and we're going to heaven, but you know, there's, there's almost another step where we realize, no, hang on a minute, he is God. He is in control of all of it. And he could do whatever he likes. And anything I have is a blessing from him. And if he decides to take it away, nothing I can do. Because he's God. He can do what he likes. And Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God. Verse 14. Now he's back on his throne. Uh, he was ruling in his kingdom, but there's going to be changes now. Now after this, he built a wall without the city of David, on the west side of Gahan in the valley, even unto the entering in at the fish gate, and compassed about Ophel, and raised it up a very great height, and he put captains of war in all the fenced cities of Ju Judah. You know, he became conscious of his duties as king in protecting his people and protecting his kingdom. And he took away the strange gods and the idol <clears throat> out of the house of the Lord, and all the altars that he had built in the mount of the house of the Lord, and in Jerusalem, and cast them out of the city. Listen, he did a thorough purging, cleansing uh, of the city. And he repaired the altar of the Lord, and sacrificed thereon peace offerings and thank offerings, and commanded Judah to serve the Lord God of Israel. Nevertheless, the people did sacrifice still in the high places, yet unto the Lord their God only. Now the rest of the acts of Manasseh and his prayer unto his God and the words of the seers that spake to him in the name of the Lord God of Israel, behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Israel. His prayer also and how God was entreated of him and all his sins and his trespasses and the place, uh, places wherein he built high places, set up groves and graven images before he was humbled, before they are written among the sayings of the seers. So Manasseh slept with his fathers and they buried him in his own house and Amnon, Ammon, uh, his son, reigned in his stead. Right? Now, let me give you uh, just some pointers, <clears throat> and then we're done here, right? <clears throat> First of all, <clears throat> God could have, but did not take Manasseh's life. You know, I know a lot of people that God could take their lives, but he doesn't. And you know what? As frustrated as you might be that God doesn't deal in some situations, he's God. He knows what he's doing. Let him be God in other people's lives. Just let him be God in other people's lives. Secondly, <clears throat> God chastened him severely. But I want you to understand the end product of God's chastening in Manasseh's life. It wasn't just to beat him up and break him down. The end product of it was so then he knew that the Lord was God. Somehow he had missed that. He was raised with good King Hezekiah. He was raised with the books of the law all around his home. He was raised in, oh, you know, not a perfect home, but a godly home. But he missed something. He missed that the Lord was God. And so God decided to step in and show him. That's mercy. Do you know that God says, the Bible says, that whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. When God steps into somebody's life and turns it upside down and appears to wreck it, it's love. It's love. He wants them to know that he is the God that loves them and that chastens them. And for Manasseh, there was a total turnaround. And, and let me say this to you. If God's done this in your life, taken you, thrown your life up in the air, and restored you to life, do a total turnaround.
I've seen so many people do a half-baked turnaround. And when you do a half-baked turnaround, the old sins suck you back in again. Don't mess with God. He's God. Your life can't go well apart from him. Manasseh took and he said, right, you're God. I got it. That's it. Everything's changed. Idols are gone. You know, <clears throat> my life has changed. My, uh, he, he began to, uh, to, to promote the worship of the Lord. He, he changed everything because he did a total turnaround. Do a total turnaround. Run from sin. Run from the things that pulled you down in the past. Don't, don't, don't play with them. Don't, don't hold on to them. Don't, don't play this game of what can I get away with? Till the time he was found in the thorns, Manasseh thought he was getting away with all of it. But God was just biding his time. God was just waiting to take action. Listen, don't mess with God. No, you don't get away with it. Listen, do a complete turnaround. <clears throat> you know, though, <clears throat> even though he did a complete turnaround, he couldn't turn the people around fully. Now, they had to bear some responsibility on that. Let's not put that all uh, on Manasseh. But you know this, that <clears throat> when you and I go wrong and live wrong, we have an influence on other people. Other people get hurt. Other people get pulled down. Other people get drawn into sin when you and I don't do right. See, people look at you and for somebody, you're the best example of a Christian they know. You say, oh, I hope not. No, listen, for somebody, that's what you are. And when you walk away from God and, and decide to have your fling and do your own thing and go your own way, they look at it and they think it doesn't work. It's not real. And Manasseh tore up his kingdom and tore up the worship of God and he turned around completely but he wasn't able to turn all them around completely. Listen, you got a responsibility to take what's being given to you so freely and to run with it and to make your life count. Don't, don't just listen, don't just go back the old way and let the enemy take and use it. Final thing I want to say to you is this. It's never so bad that God won't listen. Never. And it's never so God, bad that God doesn't want to hear your prayer or somebody else's prayer. You may have somebody in your life and you think, oh, they've done so much now. Listen, God wouldn't listen to them. It's never that bad. God listened to Manasseh. He listened to anyone. Remember even Ahab when he put on sackcloth and ashes after his wife had murdered Naboth? God says to Elisha, did you see what he did? Did, did, did you see? Listen, he's, he's, he's repent. I'm not going to do it in his lifetime now. <clears throat> listen, it's never so bad that God won't listen. So listen, you may be in a good place today. Listen, run with it. But if someday you should find yourself in a bad place, in a place where you've not done right and you've gone against God and you've done, gone your own way and done your own thing. The enemy will sit on your shoulder and he will say, there's no point. You needn't go to him. You had your chance. And he will give you all kinds of rubbish like that. But you know what? If you remember old Manasseh and you cry out to God and turn your heart back to God, 
And just as God was entreated by Manasseh's prayer, God would be entreated by yours. Because he loves us. Not for what we give him. Not for what we do for him. But because he loves us. And he will always listen to a repentant heart. And that person you think there's no hope for, just keep praying. Just keep praying. Because it's not over till it's over. And God can step in and turn any situation around. And he can bring things up like you and I can't even imagine. We serve a great God. Let's stand for prayer. Father, we thank you for this evening. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. Now, Lord, would you bless us? Lord, <clears throat> we're warned tonight, but Lord, we're encouraged too. What a sweet, loving, caring God you are. That even when we get it wrong and do wrong, you still love us and you still care. And Lord, would you encourage our hearts for those, Lord, that are not walking with you today. Oh, Lord, that, 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 that we might pray and that, Lord, you might work in their hearts and lives and that you might draw them into the place of blessing. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness to us. Would you just bless in Jesus' name.